0: Let's Talk, the pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is a program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but has some questions. You know, in short, the program's designed for someone just like me. There's a lot I don't understand. It doesn't have to be something soul-shaking. It might just be something that's been on my mind for a while. I find that rather than getting into a deep theological discussion, sometimes a front porch casual Talk with a pastor is the best way to understand. It. That's what this program is all about. And today's guest is Lance O'Donnell. He's the pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Akamanawak, Wisconsin. I have my questions. I'm sure you have yours. You can send your questions by email at any time to Let's Talk at KFUO.org. Or you can call into the program if you're in the St. Louis area, including Metro East at area code 314 or anywhere in the lower 48 toll free at 1-800-730-2727. Well Lance, welcome to the program again.
1: Hey, good to be with you.
0: Well, we've had an interesting few weeks now, haven't we?
1: My goodness, yeah. We talked, I think, last when this was just getting started in the United States.
0: You know, it's, it's uh, been an interesting experience. In, uh, in some cases, it's really been a learning experience. Um, i 've been able to sit down and actually learn a couple of software programs associated with this program um, but it 's really it, it 's i 'm not going to say rewarding but it's it certainly has been interesting uh, we 're able to do this in uh, doing all sorts of different things when you 're in wisconsin i 'm here at my home and uh, stephanie Licklider's at the station she 's one of the few people still at the uh, at the i c at the international center and we 're getting this program going so it 's Keep our fingers crossed and see how it's going. It's amazing. It's a new adventure for us, I think.
1: It has been quite an adventure. I'm sure you guys, are you all having to do your shows mostly remotely?
0: Yeah, almost entirely.
1: Well, wow, what, a, what a momentous and <laughs> mountainous thing to pull off for all of you.
0: Well, it really is. I mean, we've had uh, the IC has been closed down officially through the end of April. And uh, just this past weekend, the officials in St. Louis City and St. Louis County have announced that the uh, shelter-in-place order is going to stand through at least uh, the middle of May. Now, I haven't heard yet from our HR people, but I suspect we're going to be doing it too as well.
1: Yeah, our yesterday, our governor in Wisconsin Uh, extended what he's calling his safer at home order which was scheduled to run out on April 24th he just extended it through May 26th Um, Uh, and I just minutes ago as a result had to send out a letter to our confirmation families that we have to postpone confirmation.
0: Well you know that's one of the things I want to discuss with you is you know how you're coping with that and I know that you've uh, you have been through some uh, some interesting times yourself, um, and you know it, it. It occurs to me that we are approaching the period now where our seminarians are getting ready to accept their calls. Uh, anything yeah. in your experience that'll help them? Uh, that will help them adjust to that?
1: Yeah, I'm really glad you asked. Um, this is a, it is an extraordinary an extraordinary time and a difficult time, and. For the new seminary graduate, you know, the guy who's, uh, I forget when our call services, I think next week, St. Louis and Fort Wayne, um, are are the guys are going to get their calls and they're going to have to get them virtually and then they're going to have to plan to go to their parishes and figure out how to move and then how to minister to people in many cases where people are going to be in various different degrees of lockdown. Um, It is... A relatively unprecedented thing, and yes, I do, I, I, I had a very interesting experience at the beginning of my ministry in 2002 that that might provide some, at least an analogy that that could be helpful for these guys and their congregations.
0: Well, go ahead.
1: Uh, yeah, so I am... Um, I stayed I graduated from my master divinity degree degree in 2001 and then I stayed to do some additional graduate work in missiology at the Fort Wayne Seminary and but then I you know we kind of hit our debt limit Kip <laughs> and uh, I told the I told the placement director at Fort Wayne I said I need to go to the parish I, can, I don't think I can take any more debt I'll have to finish the grad school thing along the way and so Um, It it turned out there was a neighboring congregation uh, nearby in Van Wert, Ohio, uh, that had uh, become vacant. And uh, it happened to be the the home parish of the man who was then the the director of information technology at Fort Wayne, he's now the, John Klinger is his name, he's now the director at St. Louis, uh, at the St. Louis Seminary. And so I took fall placement uh, normally, we take our placement to be pastors in the spring, but on November 8, 2002, I stood in line with a few other guys and received notification that I would, um, that I would get to go to be pastor at uh, Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Van Wert, Ohio, uh, about 45 minutes away from Fort Wayne. I was scheduled, that was a Friday. Two days later on Sunday, my wife and I were scheduled to go over to Van Wert, Um, to meet with the church council and talk with some people and uh, I got a phone call from my mother who then lived on the south side of Fort Wayne and she said you know they've got tornado warnings over here Uh, you might want to ask call and see what's going on I would have normally ignored such a warning because I've been around little tornadoes my whole life but the previous year at the Fort Wayne Seminary we'd had a little tornado that did a bunch of damage and So I called ahead uh, to the call chairman, I think think it was Larry Lee was his name, and he said, you know, it's looking really dark over here. I think I'd wait before you come over. Well, if Carrie and I had left when we planned, we would have watched a massive mile-wide F4 tornado uh, cross US-30 right in front of us. Um, As it turned out, that big tornado was a Sunday afternoon. It went through. Uh, the little town that I was called to serve. Um, six of my family's homes were either destroyed or severely damaged, and um, that was the beginning of my ministry. And I wasn't even ordained yet.
0: Oh boy, that's incredible.
1: It was. It, it was. You, you had to go during- in
0: there with 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 both feet, and you weren't ordained.
1: Wow. So I, yeah, I, you know, I mean, I just, I mean, I had just received the call. I mean, I wasn't even ordained yet, but I live 45 minutes away. Uh, we waited a couple hours. You know, that we heard there was a tornado, so Carrie and I got in the car. We drove. We drove east. We drove over there. Um, we pulled in, and uh, one of the elders was there. Uh, John Etsler was his, his name, and. Uh, John took us into the church. There was, I, you know, there was stuff thrown all over the place, trees down, electrical lines down, but somehow we had a phone. And um, so we went into the church office, and um, I said, you know, and I, I just met this guy. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, just met him, never talked to him before. And I said, well, and he said, you know, he knew what the, where the path of the tornado had been, and he knew that some of our people lived out that way. So I said, okay. well, let's go. I said, let's go. So he drove, I think it was a little Ford SUV. My wife uh, sat there in the office and started taking phone calls, as I found out. John and I got in his, his SUV and headed out. And um, and there was, you know, fortunately it was a fairly open area, but in many cases there was utter devastation. And... You know, I, I had um, I had one of the most uh, formative experiences of my entire life that day, and and a lesson in faithfulness uh, from a number of people. <laughs> and I'd love to explain, um, if I can. Please go ahead. So, you know, for the for the guys out there, some you know, for guys who might be listening, uh, about to get your calls. And for the congregations about to receive them, you know it's a mysterious thing. You know, a call is a call is kind of like an arranged marriage. In this situation, you don't know each other, but you know that God has called you together. And um, sometimes, for new pastors, especially guys who are are young, you know, often a guy's gets a call to a parish. And he's in his 20s, and very often the members of his congregation are old enough to be his parents or older. And, you know, this guy's just a kid. And very often the new, the new pastor struggles with uh, developing uh, a sense of respect and rapport. You know, this guy's been, you know, Kip, you can imagine he's studied his tail off for years. He's just got his Master of Divinity degree. He's very well educated, um, and he's eager to be, to get going uh, to be to care for souls and preach and all that stuff, and yet he discovers very quickly um, <laughs> that he's pretty new, and these people have been around pastors for a long time, and he's not such hot stuff. <laughs> so, for a lot of for a lot of new yeah. for not a, for a lot of It's a humbling experience. There, it's a very it's a very humbling <laughs> experience, and so you know. But this tornado thing, and this is where I think for a new pastor, for guys getting their calls, if they handle this right, it can be a blessing. And here, you know, this is how it worked for me. So, you know, John Etzler and I get in that car. We drive out into the country uh, toward the home of, of Carl and Mary Font. And, Kip, I'll never forget what I saw. I'll especially never forget what I heard. Uh, we, we pull up to Carl and Mary's place, um, they had been away from home, but you know, it came and heard about it, and came back. Their place was not utterly destroyed, but all, you know, marred beyond recognition. And Carl Font looked at me. You know, I am 33 years old. He looked at his home. He looked at the devastation, and I'll never forget it. He quoted Job, and he said. He said, "Pastor, now get it." I wasn't even ordained yet, um, but he said, "Pastor, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the Lord."
0: And here was an example of um, one of the congregation teaching the pastor.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> you know, I'm almost in tears thinking about it. You know, we, you know, we we train and we, you know, we think we know our stuff, and and we do, but. Um, We encounter the often these incredibly faithful people. It was just in and Carl and Mary Fond proved to be just incredibly faithful people. You know, um, another of those, (laughs) as I mentioned, John Klinger, who's the director of information technology at the St. Louis Seminary, um, at the time he was at the, he was doing that at the Fort Wayne Seminary. His brother Mark and his wife and, and young daughter were in the path of this tornado. And Mark was, you know, looking where Mark was out on his front porch, looking off in a distance with his video camera. You know, there's a big, there's an old tornado out there. And, then, you know, at first it was just interesting. There's a tornado way out there. And all of a sudden it's moving fast and it's coming right at him. And they had just built this home um, a brand new home built above a crawl space. And if, as I remember the as I remember this story, as Mark told me, um, he sees this thing coming at him. He gets his wife and his daughter and they go into the crawl space. He ties a rope, um, he puts his wife on the bottom, uh, his daughter in between them, ties a rope around all of them and ties the rope to the side of the foundation underneath in the crawl space. And he's on top of them in push-up position. You know, Mark's a big guy, strong. Um, and then they hear the tornado coming, and he and he said, he said, Pastor, is it, it was exactly like they tell you. It sounded like a giant freight train coming on top of us. And this great big calamity comes on them. He said he felt the, all the he felt the 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 side of the foundation start to collapse onto him. You know, Mark's a strong guy, he's there in push-up position on top of his wife and daughter, literally kind of holding, the, holding it off them. And he told me, he said, Pastor, I'm praying. I'm praying, Lord, I can't do this anymore. And then the tornado lifted up everything and threw it all over the, all over the countryside. Um, and you know, I think one of his checks ended up an hour and a half away, discovered in Toledo. Um, oh, man. It's, you know, and so, you know, you know there were those stories. There were two people that died in that tornado. And so for, but for me, you know, I was there. I was there when the crisis occurred. I wasn't far away, and so I was regularly there and in communication with people, you know, in the next few weeks. So I was, that was, that was November 10th. 2002. Um, I was in, ordained and installed three weeks later, on the first Sunday in Advent, December 1st, 2002. Because I was there at a time of uh, at, at a time of tragedy and confusion, um, those people didn't wait to call me pastor, and m- me being there. And attempting in the midst of also trying to you know trying to be a full-time PhD student um, me being there and being along with them just being alongside them in the midst of this it endeared us to one another uh, in a way that uh, that has continued to this day
0: and that's over so really an for inspiring the new- story that, that's really uh, inspiring Lance you know you, you- yeah progress through adversity, I guess. You know, there's a, uh, uh, a Russian word, prud, which literally means uh, f- through difficulty. We strive through difficulty. And uh, boy, you really you really did that, and you, you came up with, uh, I'm not going to say the reward of it, but perhaps the incredible learning experience It's made you a better pastor than you would have been otherwise.
1: Yeah, and I was just there. You know, I mean, I don't think I did anything extraordinary. I just did, you know, I was taught to be a pastor at Fort Wayne. You know, you, you, you pray with people, you be with them, you enter into life with them. Uh, I didn't do anything. I just did what pastors do, I thought. And, but because I was there, there were, there were some bonds that formed. And, and what it also helped, and this is where for the new guys, um, new pastors sometimes do stupid things. You know we, we no, we, <laughs> right? We we mess up. We don't think clearly through some things. We don't have experience. Um, you know, for the guys going out there, you know, if, if you bury in with your people, you do your best to stay connected to them. Find a way to get connected to people, even though you can't necessarily all get together, because you're there at a very challenging time, and because you've. You know, you show yourself just willing to be a pastor and and to try and deal with things during difficult circumstances. Um, You know, it it earns, uh, you know, well, I don't want to say earns, but you know, I mean, there's some capital there. And I made some stupid mistakes in Van Wert, acted rashly, didn't think through a couple things, said a couple things from the pulpit that I shouldn't have. Um, And I, I think in part because they knew me, and they knew my they knew my heart, and they knew that I loved them. That they were they were very very forbearing with me. And
0: you know, it occurs to me uh, you had mentioned very early in this program that you, you just now had to send out notices to uh, people about the confirmation classes because the governor has extended the uh, period of, of uh, being at home. What? Yeah would you suggest now to the to the new graduates who will accept those calls who are facing similar situations where they can't really get the congregations together and meet them
1: well you, we do have resources uh... to be able to communicate with people i would you know we've we still have a phone um, you have you have computers in some cases you can meet at you know even at a little bit of distance um, you have to be. You have to be careful. You know, follow your, follow your health guides. But you know, we, fo- phone calls, can be a powerful thing. Setting up, you know, a Zoom meeting can be really helpful to people. Giving people an opportunity, to get to know their new pastor, um, can be, a helpful thing. This, you know, this afternoon I'm going to host a, a virtual happy hour for our staff, <laughs> here. <laughs> And uh, you know, I mean, it's not ideal, but you know, you could, you know, the new pastor could do that kind of thing, you know, put a, you know, have a meeting, a Zoom, you know, a Zoom meeting or some kind of Skype or something like that, and make himself available, and you know, just be there and have a have a snack virtually, you know, and and take questions, and you know, he could divide that up among the congregation. He could say, you know, depending on the size of the church, he could say, I'm you know, let's take the A, B, C's and D's. You know, and issue an invitation to everybody. And if you can join at this time, do it. And that can be something he can do.
0: And it would be a great time, also at, at this particular area for uh, what word I'm thinking of uh, to really join with the with the congregation. And this is interesting because you know they, they, they can't do it inside the the physical church itself. You have to reach out, right. and uh, and the pastor, the, the new uh, the new people answering the calls will be, will be in the same situation that the parishioners will be in, and uh, right. this is something that they can stress. That yeah, I understand what you're going through because I'm going through it too.
1: No doubt, and I think that you know you, you raised something that's an important part. Is there's the other side of this? There's the pastor side, but there's also the congregation side. You know they're excited about the new pastor. They're sometimes a little nervous about the new pastor. Um, they want to get to know the new pastor, and yet they can't. Um, this is, you know, and the new pastor may well have a family. It, it, you know, this is what a challenging time to pick up your family and move, and you're under social restrictions. <laughs> you know, and you know, you say your it wife you really have young kids and you have young kids and you know what you want to do is you want to you want to meet you want to shake hands you want to be able to break bread together and go have meals with people and you a lot of that's restricted um, the pastor is going to be frustrated uh, his wife is going to be frustrated if he's married that, that you know that you, the children will want to meet the new children and yet they're not going to be they're going to be stuck at home it's it's it will be it will be difficult for absolutely everybody, and if you can be forbearing with one another, my sense is the relation you you know you'll provide a foundation for, for deep relationships in this in this situations.
0: Well, as you found out from firsthand, Lance, uh, you were in the trenches with your parishioners on this, and uh, I think there would be a real bond that would form between you and them. Where they, again, as I said, you know, they, they, you know firsthand what they were going through. You were going through it as well. And you know, that's the type of thing that spreads throughout the congregation and brings in uh, a feeling of community and, and knowing that the church cares.
1: Share, shared experience is a powerful thing, isn't it? <laughs> Especially shared challenge,
0: <laughs> shared adversity.
1: <laughs> you know it is. Shared, it's, um, yeah. shared adversity is a powerful thing. It's, you know, the, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm a sports guy, but anybody, you know, any, anybody who's been through, you know, where you have to really struggle to, a, a, quote unquote, accomplish something, there, there are bonds there. You know, the, the guys who are in the military, you know, those those, those bonds are often absolutely unbreakable.
0: And that's true um, and also I, I know that the um, some of the best lessons I've learned in my life have been from things I've done wrong I, I used to tell um, I used to tell my staff uh, when back in the time when I actually had a staff um, that the only sin in making a mistake is not learning from it that's a, and,
1: that's a great yeah. quote
0: Absolutely true. You know, and of course, everybody's going to make them, everybody's going to mess up at one time or another. The thing is, you learn from it, and you don't repeat it.
1: Well, this is you know it, what you just said made me think of um, one of the one of the most helpful quotations that I can in recent memory that I can remember that that I have repeated a great deal uh, when when um, Pastor Harrison was elected. President of the Missouri Senate in 2010, uh, in that that surprise when he was elected and he stepped to the podium, if I remember rightly, the very the very first words out of his mouth were something like, "Well, Missouri Senate, you have kept your perfect record uh, of electing sinners to be president of the Missouri Senate."
0: <laughs> that sounds like <laughs> Matt.
1: <laughs> you know. Um, and, you know, I ended up basically when I took the call here, when I accepted the call here to St. Paul's, you know, on my installation day in um, 2012, uh, I, I, was so, I was so taken by what Pastor Harrison had said a couple of years before that I, I just quoted it. You know, I, I told, I said, you know, St. Paul's, you have kept, you have kept your perfect record of, of calling sinners to be your senior pastor. Um, and I think that's a that's a healthy thing for a young pastor to remember, and the, a the challenge because you know I don't know what you were like when you were 26, 27, 28 years old. Uh, we Gee, tend to be yeah, rather. I bold. knew
0: everything then, of course.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so imagine you know these guys, you know these guys, and I wasn't any different. I mean, I I worked for five years before I went to the seminary in the state government in Michigan, so I wasn't right out of the chute, but. You know, i was i had you know i'd finished my mdiv i'd stayed for additional work toward a phd uh i knew i wasn't a dummy um, on the other hand uh i i i discovered pretty quickly that uh i didn't know a great deal about being a pastor that i was going to have to learn it <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Lance, we've got a lot to talk about here, but we're hitting the bottom of the hour and we're gonna to have to take a break. But there's a lot more I want to talk about as the program progresses. So stay with us and we're listening to Let's Talk. The pastor is in on Worldwide KFEO, the messenger of good news. Mm-hmm.
1: their disciples were excited to run up and tell Thomas, who
0: was not with him, that they had seen the Lord. But Thomas said, unless I see in his hands the imprint of the nails, put my finger into the place of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I won't believe. Well, he did just that a week later and exclaimed, my Lord and my God. Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. I'll talk about that statement this Saturday and Sunday morning at 745 a.m. Central on Moments of Assurance Weekend,
2: KFUO. Hello, I'm Gary Duncan. The COVID 19 pandemic is affecting our routines, vocation, and worship. Recently, you received a mailing about our annual Sharathon fundraising event. However, during this unprecedented time, KFUO Radio is postponing our on air portion of Sharathon until June 25th through the 27th. Gifts can still be made through the mail and online, plus, those gifts will be matched by this year's matching fund. I know times are tough, but when you are able to bless our ministry, please do so. Opportunities to share the hope that is ours through Jesus Christ increase at times like this. And as a partner, you provide for those in our neighborhoods and around the world to hear the gospel message through KFUO Radio. I pray for you and your safety, and I ask for you to pray for KFUO, our staff and volunteers, during this difficult time. And again, our plans are to move the broadcast dates of our on-air Share-a-thon until June 25th through the 20. Thank you for listening and supporting KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Websites selling binary
1: options claim they are low-cost, high-reward investments. What they don't tell you is that binary options are high-risk bets, where the odds are stacked against you, that withdrawing money is often almost impossible, and the representatives will contact you with intense sales tactics or even threats. Protect yourself. Don't let anyone pressure you into making investments or quick decisions. Visit MissouriProtectsInvestors.com to learn more. Paid for by the Missouri Secretary of State's Investor Education and Protection Fund.
0: Back to you. Let's Talk. The Pastor is in. I'm program host Kevin Allen. My guest pastor today is Pastor Lance O'Donnell from St. Paul Lutheran Church in Akamanawak, Wisconsin. Love saying that word, Akamanawak.
1: <laughs> you still can't get it right, but it's a good effort. Yeah, cl-
0: close enough. <laughs> How do you say that, actually?
1: You stress the second syllable, it's
0: Oconamawak.
1: Oconomo- there you go. You got it. Hey, well I
0: got it. I learned something new today. <laughs> uh, last something I wanted to bring up, um, again, since we're talking about how this situation is changing everyone and how we're adjusting to it and what we're meeting, uh, it, it brings to mind an article I had read recently uh, about how this situation has actually toppled some of our false idols. Now what do we mean by false idols? Well, what were we looking at that was important? I mean, sports figures, celebrities, these things are no longer important to us. Some of the more humble people are suddenly taking a huge huge step forward and are really, really looming big in our lives. Now I'm I'm thinking specifically one of the things I do here, one of the reasons I, I can get out of the house is I have to go to my grocery store and there are those workers there and they have made changes inside the uh, the shop uh, they've got the little things on the floor you know just stay six feet away from people and uh, extremely helpful I mean they've got people out there uh, in the entranceway, and they they're wiping down all the baskets and everything and you go into the store and by golly there are no empty shelves except maybe for toilet paper and paper, paper products but I mean the food is all there the, the meat the fresh produce and everything that has been brought to them by truck drivers who are driving all across the country who are Bringing the produce in for the farmers and from the and for the warehouses, these people have really risen to this to the uh, to the challenge and they are meeting it. And I like to not I like to think, but sometimes I think, what would it be like without these people, without these true heroes? I, I'm I remember back when I was in college, I took a uh, poli sci course, and the professor said something to the effect of. No civilization is ever more than three meals away from a revolution, and think about <laughs> that. I mean, yeah, it's absolutely true. You know, I don't care. You know, the since the, you know, I, I miss the Cardinals. I know that there <laughs> it's going to be a problem with the baseball season. Uh, I don't get to see some of the movies I really wanted to see, but so what? I mean, those things. Really, getting down to it, those are far, those are false idols for me. Those are things that. I used to think were important. Now I see the people and the things that are truly important, and that's what I mean by the false idols. Uh, people, in general, I know I certainly have. Gosh, I'm a sinner uh, Have pursued the wrong things. I've not always thought about uh, what it is. You know, it, it does, the idol doesn't have to be a golden calf. It can be something else. And I think so many of us have done that. And now we get to look at what is truly worthy of our respect, of our, our regard.
1: It has done that. You know, it's amazing. You talk about grocery store, you know, <laughs> two, month, two months ago, you know, people would be rude or dismissive as you went through the line, you know, to get your groceries, and and now, we're looking at the the standard grocery store clerk, the, the cashier, um, the guy stocking the shelves, and those folks have all of a sudden become absolutely essential. And you know, even the the janitor in the hospital. You know, I saw a video a week or so ago of you know some people clapping for the janitor as she as she pushed her mop along. Uh, I, I I hope that for any of us who are of age, I hope this forever changes us in that regard.
0: From a pastor's point of view, what should we learn about this, about false idols and about true appreciation?
1: Well, right, Luther, Luther's explanation in the, in, of the first commandment uh, whether in the small catechism or the large catechism, but you know anything you know, anything—to which your heart clings and which you trust, you know that in, in all that is your God, and there is no doubt. I'm I'm with you, Kip. This has revealed for all of us different aspects where we have misplaced trust, um, even our even our health.
0: Oh yeah, that's something so many of us take for for granted. I know I do, and Lord knows I shouldn't. Heck, I've had two heart
1: attacks. (laughs) (laughs) Right? We, you know, we should. So, you know, anything, as you noted, anything can become a false god. You know, that I I was thinking earlier today as I was preparing my mind for being on the program, thinking about sports. You know, how many youth sports taken away? I mean, you know, that has been a complaint pastors for, for years. Wednesday nights are now gone, Sunday mornings are often gone because we're off, you know, pursuing the dream to earn a $5,000 college scholarship. Our parents will spend sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 over the course of a childhood dragging us from one place to another that we might win a college scholarship. <laughs> we'll never actually get our money back. Um, and now, you know, that's, you know, now that's gone. And so you know that college scholarship might be an you know it, it might be an idol. You know on the on the other hand, on the sports side, we're going to be we're going to be thankful for the opportunity to get out and move around again.
0: You know, well, it's that's not, so true.
1: You know it's not yeah. a yeah. You know, I, I, I hope and that's part of my prayer. And I think for, for me and my our people here at St. Paul's uh, during this Easter season. You know, I often like to pick an overarching theme for a season. You know, I'm, I'm not a big topical preacher guy. I like to use the lectionary. Um, I, I see a great benefit in it. Um, and But I like an overarching theme. And I kind of picked a theme for Easter this year called the resurrection of the body, uh, which is double entendre. <laughs> um, both the, celebrating the resurrection of Christ and, God willing, we're going pre- to prepare for the ability as a congregation to be able to re-engage uh, physically with one another sometime in the next couple months here.
0: One of the things uh, that has uh, helped to inspire me, I guess is the, is it the word, uh, one of the few things I can get out of the house and do is to walk my dog and i take her around the block and you know it's springtime here in st louis and the trees are starting to come back to life we've got flowers starting to bloom uh there are scents in the air of, of, of new mown grass or scents of uh, flowers and that's something I'm, I'm more acutely aware of than i would have been before you know yeah it's a chore i've got to take the darn dog out but now I look forward to it and, and so that I can see so many of these wonderful things. Uh, one of the other things, uh, a very humble but thorough enjoyment, is I've got a couple of bird feeders out in the backyard. And I love looking at the variety of these birds and thinking, you know, again, there's a lesson here from this. God is teaching us something. Yeah. He is teaching us what is important. He's teaching us what isn't. He's teaching us to see beauty.
1: One of, my, one of mine is, and I realized this, um, and I, I made a quote of it in a sermon probably three weeks ago. As I was thinking about Easter, I found a quotation from a, um, Eugene Peterson, wrote a memoir called The Pastor, and he wrote, he wrote about the danger of crowds. You know, that preachers, pastors like to preach about the danger of alcohol and sex and all that, but they don't see the danger, the ego danger in crowds. Um, and what I realized is, for me, one of the idols that I held is, you know, there's a real ego buzz from having a big crowd at Easter. Um, it's not just the sound of hearing everybody say hallelujah, but there's a big ego buzz for a pastor to have all those people there
0: uh, that is a a real thing of broadcasters Uh, you know there's a I think I mentioned this to you before sometimes there's this uh, there's a feeling I get I don't know about uh, other broadcasters but you know I'll be in the studio and I'll be broadcasting and gee is anybody out there really listening to anything that's being said (laughs) <laughs> and then I'll get an email from a listener saying, Oh, you really touched on me, and something like that. And oh, man, it's just, I feel so good when that happens.
1: Yeah, on the, on the one hand, you're, this is a service industry. You know, you're providing a service, and it's nice to be able to serve. On the other hand, that, that feedback can, be, can absolutely be an idol, a false god. You know, that your your own your own view of, the, of yourself and the goodness of the world is based upon, right?
0: Oh, yeah. And there's a danger of believing that you are as important as perhaps you think you should be. And you're not that important. Not in the scope of things.
1: So that's, for me, Kip, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad you asked the question, raised it, because my suspicion is, and this, this might also actually end up being helpful to new new pastors. They're gonna, many of them will go out, and they might actually start, and they'll be under social restriction, and there won't be a crowd. They're going to have to start doing it, <laughs> doing their thing, uh, to an empty church. And um,
0: uh, That's interesting. That's, I hadn't thought of that. But you know,
1: you're absolutely right. We, it's not what we signed up for.
0: <laughs> well, actually, it is. You sign up to do whatever God puts in your path, you
1: <laughs> right? To- but, yeah, and I meant to, I meant to say that it's not what we thought we signed up for. Um, you know, we wanted to be amongst a, a crowd of people, and you know, there is there is something to it. And you know, then you're going to be there, and it's to an empty church, and you're you're doing this over tele- or uh, over a camera or radio broadcast or something like that. It's um, it's a whole different set of challenges.
0: Well, I'm sure you've heard the old saying, uh, if you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans.
1: <laughs> uh, it's what an extraordinary. Can May I ask you a question?
0: Certainly. Go right ahead. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, you know, we're on the radio here, so feel free. I just, How are you holding up? What a massive change for you and your people at KFUO.
0: It has been a huge change for us. Uh, one of the things I uh, I am very proud of, and humbly proud, if you can—that's an oxymoron, if you will—is how the staff has risen to this challenge. Uh, that, that we're how we're, we're able to keep this radio station on the air, which has been broadcasting since 1924, and we're doing it through. Uh, through adversity we're doing it through uh, belief in each other we're doing it through a a belief in a common cause which is of course the gospel message and yeah it has been it's been interesting (laughs) to say the to say the least most of us are at home we get one or two per one or two people who manage to get into the station and are able to do the things that need to be done that cannot be done remotely Uh, And we're learning what we can do. I mean, I'm finding that I can do about 80% of what I used to do at the IC here at home. Um, There's 20% I simply cannot do. But it's a matter of rising to it, and how the others are taking up the slack of the things that I can't do and others can't do. Uh, Our program director is a gentleman by the name of Andy Bates. And Andy has been doing um, just a yeoman's job there everything from scheduling uh, studio time to being able to fill in board shifts that I can't do things along that line and uh, you know the the, uh, the board out for this program Stephanie Licklider she's a, a young lady who is doing what needs to be done to keep this this program the station on the air and uh, it's inspirational in a lot of ways i, I I'm, Frankly, I wasn't sure when this thing first happened that we'd be able to do this. You know, of course, I'm an old-time broadcaster, and I keep thinking, "Gosh, if this had happened 10, 15 years ago, there's no way we could have kept on the air." But now we can, and it's uh, the way we have worked together with uh, with each other, the way we have worked with our information technology department to make sure that everything is done. Like I'm. As I mentioned, you know, I'm I'm working here from home, uh, a microphone, and I'm working from my uh, my home computer, uh, which is a Mac. Where the stuff I do at work is usually on a PC, and I spent many many minutes, hours on the phone with the IT people configuring the uh, configuring my computer so that we can do the things that need to be done, including uh, linking to uh, to incredible programs that. Normally, I couldn't. For example, I could sign on to a virtual desktop with the servers at work. Uh, and again, as I say, if this had happened a few years ago, it couldn't have been done. And I'm just amazed that everything here has has worked the way how it has and how the the staff has so come together on this thing. It's 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 truly a, a message in fellowship.
1: How you know? I- a, I guess I'm thrilled to hear it and very proud of you. I, and I, I regret to say, I hadn't put a lot. Of, I hadn't put a lot of thought to what it would, what it meant for you guys to be on the air. Uh, because the last time we were on the air, you were in the studio, and I just hadn't. It hadn't occurred to me. You're at home, in trying to pull this off. I'm, I'm proud of you all for doing that. Uh, how are you guys going to be different? When all this ends,
0: I think we're going to be more appreciative of each other. Uh, we've not only shown that we can rise to this challenge, but uh, you know, there's a separation where we're not able to see each other, and this is something that I miss. You know, where we get together at the uh, at the station, and we say hello, hi, how you doing, Andy? Hey, what's going on, Steph? Mary, what what's going on? Things like that. Uh, going over the cafeteria sitting down and eating listening to the uh, people getting ready for the chapel service that we do every 10 o'clock at 10 o'clock every weekday and not being able to see the people you know that that's what i mean Uh, i think we are going to be much more appreciative of each other's company after this is over
1: um so what what do you think i'm just curious related to the question you asked earlier What's what's one of the big idols of radio that this is this has revealed for you?
0: Oh boy, I was afraid you were going to ask did me that. I, ask, did I ask
1: the <laughs> wrong question?
0: <laughs> you know, I'm going to say it's ego. Uh, it's one of the things that nobody goes into this business, at least in this side of the microphone, unless they have an enormous ego. Uh, <laughs> Who me? Yeah, <laughs> you know I can, <laughs> you know I can uh, sit down after a program and review the review the uh, tapes and listen to what I did and say, oh golly, I really should haven't done that or I could have done that better, but when the mic is hot, when it's on, uh, there is this belief I have, and I'm sure other broadcasters have it as well that. You're the best thing that ever hit the airwaves. You've got to believe that, because if you don't, it's going to show in your voice. And there is a danger there of thinking that you're really as good as you think you are. (laughs) And and, uh, that's my false idol, I think. Uh, Could the station do without me? Yeah, they sure could. Just like the gospel message doesn't need me, but it uses me as a tool. And. that's that's one of my false idols. Is that uh, no? They don't need me. I need them.
1: Do you mind if I reveal another one of mine?
0: Please go ahead.
1: Since we're talking about idols, <laughs> um, you know, I, it's the very same thing. You know, you don't you don't stand up in front of people um, as a pastor and not think you've At least to some degree, degree, got the goods. Um, You know, we haven't had people in the pews in a month. You know, we pulled it off. You know, similarly, we had a small group of people that somehow, you know, we became televangelists overnight, (laughs) um, having to do all this on video and so forth. And we entered this last, this, this fiscal year, Kip, with a, a little bit of a projected budget deficit. You know, we finally restored a, a, what I regard as the full-time staff, all the full-time teachers all the way through. We, we called a full-time musician. Um, we did a lot over the work over the previous years to get ready for that, but we entered the year not sure how we were going to make it. And up until a, month or so ago we were still running a deficit and wondering and then all this hit okay. all this stuff hit and we're going to shut down we can't have we can't have church and i talked to a pastor friend who told me that his first offering was it was catastrophically low and i thought oh my you know what's going to happen so then you know the numbers came in for us in our our you know, the first week of quarantine at St. Paul, our offering was, you know, 65% of budget, something like that. Low, but not absolutely catastrophically, not catastrophically low. And I thought, you know, boy, are we going to, uh, you know, are we going to have to cut salaries? Are we going to have to lay people off? You know, I'm the senior pastor. Um, I'm, I'm fearful, honestly. Week two, uh, without giving the exact figures, Kip, our offerings went up. Week three, our offerings went magnificently over. Week four, uh, our Easter offering wasn't quite as good as what a normal in-person Easter offering would have been, but it was above budget projections overall. And I, 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 just, I went upstairs, and I, I cried. You know, I
0: said, "How are you getting your you know, offerings? Talk, talk if you're not about, doing the services."
1: That's, I said, talk about realizing, like you said, that, you know, I realized, you know, I mean, I'm not standing in front of people. I'm not, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not. We're not having, you know, we're, we're doing worship, and God's people here have rallied. And I said, Lord, are you going to bring us out of a deficit in the middle of a global pandemic? I said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I'm, I'm still just stunned. Stunned.
0: And that's the type of uh, stunning that you can appreciate. It, it, it's humbling. It's humbling. Yeah.
1: Oh that's, man, that's, I hell yeah. you—that's the word that, <laughs> You know, and so many other churches are in are in trouble. You know, and it, you know, God knows what happens the next few weeks here. But you know, <laughs> my eighth grade teacher, I, when I got the when I got the news about, you know, that our our offering was so overabundant in week three, and I pulled uh, Ben Miller's his name and I pulled him aside into the chapel. You know, I didn't realize how much the how much how burdened I'd felt by the possibility of having to cut salaries and layoffs and all that stuff and when I saw that offering came in week three and it was up again I just I realized the Lord is going to get us through this and I realized you know I realized that I had doubted and I just cried um, you know Lord well, you're going
0: to come up, up to the end of the program here uh, I think it would be very appropriate for us to end this with a very short prayer can you do that for us
1: Gladly. Lord, we thank you for the the way you crush our idols, and in so doing, uh, revealing that you alone are God. Grant us forgiveness where we are wrong, and help us to trust in Christ and him alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.